our brain interpret interprets sort of unconscious messages that come from the body. So our, our bodies are constantly sending messages to the brains at this unconscious level, updating on how things are going. And if you improve your your hardware of your your bones and your muscles and tendons and all that, then that background messaging is saying it's okay. We've got this. You know, mm. don't you don't have to worry quite so much. And that sort of in a way that you can't even put your finger on particularly. Welcome to the Good Athlete Podcast, the voice of the Good Athlete Project. We are so glad you're here. Please make sure that you subscribe to the Good Athlete Podcast and get on Instagram and follow us at Good Athlete Project. This week, we are pleased to welcome back into the conversation our favorite science journalist, editor, and author, Caroline Williams, to discuss the release of her new book, her second book, Move, The New Science of Body Over Mind. Jim and Caroline talk about rethinking life to make it more mobile. We're so excited to have her back on the show. If you're interested in going back and listening to their first conversation, that's episode 125. And without further ado, Caroline Williams. First of all, thank you so much for coming back with us. Uh, Really excited to share your work with our audience. I think it's essential. Um, There are two big keys that I remember from last time. Um, that I'd really like to dig into and share uh, more info with people. The first, I mean, the title of the book, Move, the mm-hmm. first is that, that's sort of hung with me is um, not just the value of, of exercise, but the, uh, the danger of sedentariness. And that was one of the things that I think that we got into was it's not enough um, oftentimes just to go get a lift in after work and spend 45 minutes or an hour in the gym. It's about a mobile lifestyle. It's about moving. So uh, of my two big points, that's the first. Could you touch on that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing that, you know, you see a book about movement and you think, oh, this is about exercise. Um, Mm -hmm. And I mean, exercise is movement. That's right. You know, that's definitely true. And it's uh, good to do. But there are many ways of moving that aren't necessarily exercise. And they are as important, if not more important in some ways, you know, and it's more about cutting down the amount of sedentary time, breaking up the long periods of sitting and lying around with some movement breaks um, that that correlates better with a healthy brain over your long lifespan than you know, regardless of how much exercise you do. So, so yeah, it's not about getting in, you know, a run in the morning and some weights in the afternoon um, and going to the gym on the way home. It's not about more, 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 more. It's more about rethinking life to make it more mobile in general. That is good. Rethinking life to make it more mobile in general. The, the, because what you just said, uh, you know, I come from, you know, a lot of my time is spent in, in gyms and on tracks and in strength and conditioning, trying to help people get bigger, faster, stronger, whatever they might want to be. But I've come to understand that more as training, you know, so run in the morning and weights at night might be fantastic for say the football player uh, or soccer player, or if you're in the UK, the same, same yeah, or, football, yeah. football. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, and you, you know, that might be exactly the recipe they need is high intensity, rest, high intensity application, et cetera, et cetera. But yeah. But more often than not, I think what I'm hearing is for the sake of uh, longevity, brain health, it's a mobile lifestyle. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely And for people who don't do anything, because I think already sometimes when I talk about the benefits of movement to mental health and cognitive health and, and, and sort of all these things, people who already have a lot of training movement in their lifestyle, they kind of get it already. Mm-hmm. It's people who maybe don't. Um, and they see that as as what exercise and physical activity is all about and are completely put off by it um and it's not an all or nothing it's not kind of you're either an athlete who trains twice a day or you're a couch potato there is a middle Hmm. ground and i think that's sort of what we're sort of missing in our society a little bit yeah i think that sounds right and 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 why so do you think there's obviously the quarantine has made us all kind of sit down for a long time but yeah i mean I think a lot of it goes back to school days. I think, you know, it's still, I mean, maybe these things are changing since I've been hanging around schools, but um, I think it's still very possible to come through school and come out the other end and think, ah, that's not for me. 
I'm not very active. I'm just not that kind of person. Um, because maybe you're not into sport or you're not into, you know, gymnastics or swimming or, you know, the limited array of stuff that, that most schools offer. Right. Um, and so I think people come at, through school and by the time they've, they've finished, that's the chance gone to, to get this kind of idea also for them to come to the, the understanding themselves that moving is one way to make you feel good and you can you can be tense and then go and do something active and feel less tense or mm. you can be um you know really het up and you feel like you've got loads of mental energy on board and go and do some exercise and you feel calmer or mm. you know to make those connections yourself you have to be exposed to it and so I think we really need to get that sort of connections being made early on by get, allowing kids to try lots of different things some of them exercise some of them sport, some of them other forms of movement, dance, um, you know, parkour, circus mm. skills, you know, it doesn't really matter what it is. If they can have an array of stuff, then the likelihood of something sticking and, and having people think, well, this makes me feel good. I want to do that more. It is more likely to happen. That, uh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I'm, and I'm taking notes here because the idea that maybe it's the school system that's not only not giving them the full array of things that, that would take them on through the rest of their lives, but maybe even part of the cause of sedentary lifestyles is something that I've been tuned into before, but I, but I'm not sure everyone sees that. And if I'm hearing you right, tell me if this is kind of, at least this is my impression here in the States. <clears throat> I think of, I think of like young people playing outside in the summers and running around and just this authentic learning where they're exploring and moving nonstop. And then all of a sudden August comes around um, and there's great excitement usually, but then they go into the classroom and they're for eight hours a day, mostly sedentary yeah. and how, you know, and, and it's the first time in their lives that's ever been a thing. It, and, so, and, and are you, you're a mother? Yes. Yes. And a 12 so, year old they're behind there somewhere. <laughs> I love it. Well, and I, I think like, yeah, I think back to when I was a child and, and I'm curious what you say about this, but I, I, the time out was excruciating. So, you know, you'd go from playing to just sitting still for X yeah. amount of minutes. And that was sort of the punishment. And then I, you know, the, the idea that that's what school is, unfortunately, in large part is, is yeah. alarming. Today. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, cutting out breaks and, you know, cutting out PE time, you know, all this sort of mm -hmm. chips away at the opportunities to run around and so you know there's this I probably talked to you about this before but there's this great initiative called the Daily Mile which mm. started in the UK and may I think it's spread further now where the teacher will just get people to to down tools and just go and tear around for 15 minutes <laughs> and they don't change their shoes there's no you know it's not a race it's nothing to do with sport or anything like that but they just go out blow off some steam and the teacher can decide when that is so it might be when the, the kids are looking a bit fidgety mm -hmm. uh, or they're starting to talk too much or whatever um and there's been studies of of what's this done this is done for the kids and it's improved their focus it's improved their grades um you know their mental health they're, they're just happier and the kids love it I did a talk sure. over the summer where I was talking about this stuff and this little girl was putting her hand up and like, me 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 and I said what what would you like to say should I do this and I love it you know and they just <laughs> it's just an excuse to not be sitting quietly and listening and just run around, make as much noise as you like and go back again. So just really simple things like that can make such a difference to kids' mm. lives and then hopefully give them the idea that these things are connected and then they might take that on themselves. I, that, I think that's fantastic. And my, my follow-up question to that is why isn't that built into professional lives as well? Like, why aren't you and I going for the daily? Well, life? right. I mean, I sort of do now. So when I finish talking to you, my dog's squeaking outside the door. I'm going to take him around the woods quickly. Um, and yeah, but I think we need to educate ourselves on that because it not only does it mean that when I come back, I'm far more likely to bosh through the edit I've got to finish today with a clear head. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it's, it helps with creative thinking. It helps with um, focus, energy levels, a whole lot. And yet... I will still feel a little bit guilty that I'm leaving my desk for an hour. Hmm, um, right. And that mindset is bonkers because if I'm <laughs> going to do good work, I went this morning when I took the dog out, I sort of went through a talk that I'm giving tomorrow to a load of um, uh, professional people 
about how they might bring more movement into their life. And one of the things I'm going to say is, you know, it's got to be okay to practice a talk or a presentation or something on the move. Mm -hmm. Um, We've got to get away from this culture where that's skiving, because I think that's what a lot of us think. And we, we think that ourselves as well. So, yeah, you're right. We should all be doing that. Well, well, you're right, because it's going to start with the mindset. The mindset is bonkers. You know, I, I see that. I think we discussed this a little bit last time, but but in maybe the listeners of the podcast will have heard it before. If not, please reach out. But we have what we call a high order performance framework. And it's 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 just an easy filter. It's a little bit Maslowian for, for folks who are familiar with uh, the hierarchy of needs. And uh, at, at the base level are, you know, we call it bedrock, eat, move, sleep. Mm-hmm. And it's so essential to human functioning, regardless of the, fun, you know, regardless of how you'd want to apply your skills, whether as an athlete or a writer or an educator or a speaker, whatever it is, or just to show up in relationships and more positive in a more positive, whatever it might be to, uh, to not acknowledge that eating, moving and sleeping well uh, is an absolutely essential component. I, I'm going to use that word bonkers. It's, and it's just, <laughs> It's a good dis- English word. <laughs> right. I, love, I think it's fantastic because it's, it's just such a disconnect to like, you know, exactly what we are, which is a, like a human vessel moving through the world and deciding where to apply our skill sets. And, 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 and yet we think of ourselves, well, you know, I'm, I'm a writer. Well, you're a human mm. first. So yeah, yeah. To, to deny the movement and, you know, these other things is bonkers. Totally. Yeah. I mean, and, and you're a better writer or better everything. Um, if you're not cooped up. I mean, I just had a 10 day COVID isolation and it was just torture because I actually <laughs> tested positive. So it wasn't even like the old, you know, the previous lockdowns, you were allowed out for, you know, you could right. go out for an hour's exercise in the fresh air. And that was fine. That kept me borderline sane, but 10 days without even being able to go out the front door was right? just awful. And yeah, uh, I really felt the difference. You felt, I yeah. wasn't, you know, I didn't manage, you'd think I'd have an extra hour or two a day where I wasn't mm-hmm. out storming the woods with the dog, but actually I did less work. I was miserable. Um, uh, and it was awful. So, um, yeah, I think once you've got that in your life as a regular thing, you really, really miss it when it's not there. Yeah, that's right. That's it. You know, and, and you just hit on, um, I think an important component of, of training of exercise of incorporating movement in one's life is, is the motivation and the, and access to skills to do it. And um, what you just said is, is interesting to me because you, and maybe you've heard the same thing, but, but I feel like I hear so often, you know, if I had more time, you know, these things that I would do, or I need more hours in the day. And, and it sounds like you had plenty of hours in the day. Yes. Too many hours. Too many, that's right. <laughs> and it was, and it was counterproductive in part because of this lack of movement yeah absolutely yeah all right well okay so let's get actionable for people if you had to redo it or if someone's about to go into a a 10-day lockdown or whatever the situation might be um what are some what are some things they could do at home because i i think you're right you don't have to be an athlete you just have to have some maybe some skills in your back pocket some activities what would you recommend yeah i mean i spent a lot but i mean for the first half of it I was, well, actually, no, that's not true. For about two or three days, I was feeling pretty rotten. So I didn't feel like doing anything particularly. I managed some some light typing. Sure. Some, some light typing of emails saying, I'm not well, leave me alone. Right. Um, but when I got better, it was a matter of just moving around the house. I, I did, I dragged myself out into the garden and did a little bit of weeding for a couple of hours. That that was good because then I was getting myself into a little low squat and, and digging mm-hmm. around and you know, getting some strength work in. So that was good. But really, other than that, it was just trying to not sit in the same spot (laughs) all day. Um, And when I got a little bit better and I stopped coughing, it was, um, I was back on the kitchen dancing around. But um, (laughs) but yeah, past that, I really struggled. Yeah, I mean, other than sort of sitting on the floor and doing some stretches and stuff like that, I I Mm. really, because at some point you become, so lethargic because you haven't been anywhere or done anything everything just goes bleh. and then that's the trouble that's the motivation to try to get yourself out of that mm-hmm. um even though you know even though i've spent five years researching and writing about this stuff when you're feeling that rubbish it's really mm. hard to motivate yourself to to get up and do stuff but i was very motivated on day 10 um went out <laughs> for a long bike ride with some friends and, and that oh great yeah 
I, I, I went love, to sedentary yeah. the next day because I was exhausted, but still. Because <laughs> that knocked you out. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and you bring up another interesting point because, you know, the, the rest is essential too. You know, you have to recover. Um, but, but you, that, what an interesting phenomenon. And I wish, I wish I knew a better way to quantify it, but you just touched on it. Like activity, absolutely rest. Absolutely. But if you have too much rest, if you're sedentary for too long, you find yourself almost stuck in the mud. Doesn't it feel like that? And it's, mm. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I've got a whole chapter in, in move about rest and people very rarely ask me about it, which is very surprising to me. Um, because rest is the other side of the coin. Um, mm -hmm. and, and it has to happen. And, you know, there's not been much science done on rest, but what has been done found that something like 60% of people that they surveyed didn't feel they were getting enough rest. And if you put that alongside 70, that the, the average adult spends 70% of their time sedentary, mm. you've got to wonder like, what are we doing ah. with all that? You know, that sedentary time obviously isn't leaving us feeling that rested. So we're sort of yeah. not moving enough, but we're also not resting effectively either. So maybe, you know, we need to sort both out. Um, and, you know, one of the things about rest is that it has to be something that you choose and it ha and it can't go on for too long. Otherwise it tips over mm -hmm. into boredom and you feel trapped. So mm -hmm. it's kind of getting the, the balance between moving and resting and resting in a way that can be active doesn't have to hmm. be slobbing around. Um, yeah, getting that balance right is really important. I'm not sure I have a, a really handy recipe for it, but but making time to rest and yeah. treating it as an equal partner to movement, I think is important. That's That makes so much sense to me. I think what I'm hearing you say is, um, well, I think people probably need a healthy understanding of what what exactly we're talking about, the, you know, the, this, the balance that you mentioned. Um, but then I also see, and I think this might be what you're alluding to is it's almost this, it's like, um, people are so often people are looking for relief from something. And in that search for relief, they're spending a lot of time doing nothing, not mm -hmm. recognizing that that's potential for relief. And that could be, you know, I'm thinking about both physiological and psychological, as I say this, but, uh, you know, um, instead of active engagement with a thing, deliberate rest and recovery, you know, yeah. uh, planning and then moving on to the next thing. I, am I touching on an existing phenomenon or am I completely <laughs> off base? Well, no, I think, I think you're right. I mean, I think there's a, we sometimes take physical rest to deal with mental overload and mm -hmm. mental stress and mental tiredness. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes what we might need if we're mentally exhausted is, um, to to be physically active, you know, yeah. just doing something that you can't think about your your day or your troubles or whatever you're stressed about because you're so focused on the physical. So it can be an act that can be a mental rest in mm -hmm. a in a physical bit of activity. Um, or it's a case of I mean, sometimes I don't I don't have any science to back this up, but I've always felt like when you're fully stressed and, you, you know, you've got all these stress hormones pumping through your body it almost what your body wants is for you to burn that all through the system because you've got this stress, you're all pent up and actually your body needs you to finish the job of escaping and mm, running away yeah. and, you know, or fighting or whatever the stress response evolved to do. And doing a bit of exercise can do that job and it sort of re re returns the body to a baseline of calm and then you can move on with your life and, and it's all kind of gone through. I mean, I, I, as I say, I don't have a, a study I can point to and say, see, this is what this is what happens. But I've always felt that that's that way. And the fact that in, that exercise can give you a burst of inflammation, which then your body can clear up, sort of does back that up. That, you know, mm -hmm. if you have a short, sharp shock of physical stress, your body clears it all through. So, yeah, although rest doesn't always have to be active. Rest can also be slobbing. I'm, I'm a big fan of taking afternoon naps. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I, I I feel the same way. I that's such an interesting way to to think about it, and and um, maybe there's not a study on it exactly, but there are plenty of studies to support each component of your theory. I would I would suggest so. Right in a modern lifestyle, we're recreating um, hormonal and chemical uh, cocktails, which are essentially you know loosely speaking, you know fight, flight, etc. 
um, they're prepping us for something. We, we think mm-hmm. there's some kind of danger in our environment and there's a physiological response. Maybe that's an invented danger. Uh, yeah. You know, the stressors of the modern life aren't, you know, it's not the same as a bear in the woods. Um, but, but those chemicals are building up and the hormones are being produced and all these reactions are happening. Our nervous system is activated in a very specific way. And if you, if you track it back a very specific way, preparing to do what, and whether it's fight or flight, it's move. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. So I think so these, thing, these things yeah. are, are very, very much connected. And yeah, you do when you, when you have inflammation, which is a part of the stress response, that's to prepare your body for any potential injuries. And so that ramps up with psychological stress as well. Mm-hmm. But the inflammation system, it doesn't just sort of peter out, it needs to be turned off. And so your body needs a mm. switch to say, okay, danger past, gunk. Um, mm-hmm. And so maybe that's the role that that exercise or movement can can perform just to say, OK, done. Next. This is man, I, I forget how brilliant you are sometimes because um, <laughs> so, but it, because I, I think there's this obvious physiological component to this. I'm also thinking about how, you know, just like a, a psychological, like a therapeutic. What a nice sort of marker or um, or physical identification that you know the danger is behind you like um in i'll I'll play i'm playing this out in real time i obviously haven't prepped for it but uh i'm thinking that if one is experiencing stress in this modern environment um from you know someone calls you name in the lunchroom or, or who knows what it is but you're probably not in physical danger but your body doesn't know the difference so it kicks in this response and you're feeling maybe terrible about it um, if you use movement, like you say, not only to uh, hit the switch, flush the um, immune system and, and kind of regulate post-stress uh, stress mm-hmm. response, that's probably valuable. I also wonder if from a psychological perspective, if that's a uh, would be a valuable way for some people to mark the end, you know, a conscious decision saying, that, okay, that was, I was feeling stressed in that moment. The moment is behind me. I can close the door on it before I move forward. Instead, you know, because if you don't, this is coming from a different, if you don't mark the end of that moment consciously, then it has, it, it has a tendency to just sort of stick with you throughout the day. And that's actually, yeah. Yeah, you know the name Lisa Feldman Barrett, perhaps? Yes. Yes, yeah. I do. Yeah. Yeah. And she's wonderful. And, and she has a term. Uh, she, I think it's magnificent. The casual brutality of the modern world. Oh, <laughs> that is true. That's you know, poetic. Just, I like that. Isn't it? It's just sort of a slow simmering uh, yeah. stress response because you're always interpreting. The, so I, I like this idea of using movement as both a physical and psychological endpoint. Yeah. To, to move and forward. even if it comes back later and you, you start getting angry again about whoever, whatever the person said to you, um, at least you've had some mental time out for the, for the moment that you're there you go. Yeah. fully um, focused on your body and your movements, then at least you've had some time out. So there's, there's no reason not to. There's no reason not to. <laughs> there you go. I'm a big fan of getting sticks and throwing them at trees. That, that's very therapeutic, I find. Okay. You didn't think I was going to write that down and quote you. Yeah. Is that a quote? <laughs> this is this might be the title of the podcast. Throwing <laughs> sticks at trees. With, yeah. With Trust me, yeah. it makes you feel a lot better. If I if I've if I've got hit a part of work where I yeah, I'm stuck or I'm fed up or someone sent me an email that's really annoyed me, take mm. the dog out to the woods and he likes chasing the, the sticks, but I like hitting the trees. So you can, there's a, there, are, there are formalized versions of this. You can go and throw axes. Yeah, that's right. There you go. <laughs> so it's my version of that. No one I'm, actually dies. I'm just imagining, uh, you know, I, I, the self-awareness and, and the self-soothing mechanism that you've developed is fantastic. I'm worried about the dog who might be chasing <laughs> that stick right into the tree. Yeah, um, actually, that is a thing. Yeah, he, yeah. he, do, he, he very focuses, very much focuses on, on, what, on that, where that stick's going. And I deliberately throw it so that he can't get it before anyone gotcha. messages your podcast and says that's really bad for dogs i always throw it <laughs> in the wrong right. direction um but uh yeah he doesn't know where he's going so yeah uh, might end badly for him but you've accounted for that yes <laughs> i like it well um this is uh i, I love it all I've, I've said that many times before but i'll never not say it i i, I you know movement and um we both have connected on on the work of john rady that book spark that changed mm-hmm. you know this idea in the minds of so many it legitimately changed my life 
And, um, and that's why I, I'm so grateful for the work that you're doing. And I'm so eager to share it with more people because, you know, I don't say that all that often. I only say it when I mean it. And like, when I came across the book spark and this whole field and this world of, of thinking, um, my life changed for the better. Um, and I want to give that to people. So good. With yeah. That, I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's there, but a lot of people don't know about it. And that's um, right. Yeah, that's kind of where I come to. I, I found all this amazing science and was like, why? Why is this not being talked about? I want to shout about this. So so here I am still five. Well, not not five years on since the book came out, five years since I started doing the research, still yeah. shouting about it. So, um, yeah, keep oh. shouting. That's yeah. a, I have a um, <laughs> I have a, a presentation I do on this. I call it the ex- exercise MVP. <clears throat> and, and it's not just like a, a sports metaphor or or. or title, but it, it talks about minimum viable products. So wh- how do you incorporate exercise into one's day in, in the easiest and most usable way, similar to the presentation you're doing tomorrow in the workplace, in, in mm-hmm. schoolhouse, whatever it might be. But one of the slides in it comes from a very early study. Uh, and when I say study, this was a, this was field research that I did with, you know, with no scientific method. Well, there's some scientific method, but it's not going to be published in a journal anytime soon. But really all I did was I, I, we had people exercise uh, in a study-based environment. So we called it spark study club. So we, uh, we exercised and then we studied, or we had uh, discussions on, you know, the theories of the universe, you know, whatever the kids wanted to talk about. But then I also collected some, some, just some subjective data and um, you know, just write-ins and talking, talking to students. And one of the, this is this, you reminded me of this when you just said that, because one of the students wrote in, um, why doesn't everyone know about this? That was that was on their little you know exit slip. It was as simple as that. Yeah. And it, and it really clicked to me. They're like, that's a great, great question. Yeah, it's a really great question. <laughs> yeah. Everyone should know about this. Yeah. Yeah. And we've somehow gone counter to it. Okay, so that actually sort of teases us up for the for part two. This other really exciting idea that I I heard from your uh, from our last conversation and learned from your work. Um, this idea of empowerment, specifically through strength. And, uh, and, I'll, and I'll tell you why I think it's so meaningful for me right now. We, this weekend, are going to be hosting the first um, high school powerlifting meet of 2022. So, wow. uh, yeah, we've got the, the, the high school powerlifting season is upon us. Um, it is, you know, the Good Athlete Project sort of runs the Illinois High School Powerlifting Association. And that, what you're saying, empowerment, is probably the most important thing that comes out of it. So could you tell us a little bit about that? I think especially female studies you were mentioning. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the, the earliest study, I mean, this, is, this stuff's been going on for a, for a while. So the study from 1988, where they took a bunch of teenage girls and got them lifting weights and increased their strength by something like 40% over 12 weeks. Um, and the interesting thing that came out of that was that they start, they reported feeling more capable in other walks of life. So things that had nothing to do with lifting and carrying or fighting or or whatever, just having difficult conversations, generally being a teenage girl, which is, you know, a minefield at the best of times, they felt more capable. So there's a psychological measurement called global self-efficacy, which is just a way of saying, Mm. how capable do I feel of coping with this? How can I handle it? Um, and And they rated much higher on that. And then since then, there's been like loads and loads of studies. It's really well established that um, becoming physically stronger, regardless of any cardio that you might do as well, is linked to, you know, reductions in anxiety, increasing self-esteem, you know, it improves symptoms of depression. It just makes people feel more confident. And it's to do with the way that our brain interprets sort of unconscious messages that come from the body so our, our bodies are constantly sending messages to the brains at this unconscious level updating on how things are going and if you improve your your hardware of your your bones and your muscles and tendons and all that um then that background messaging is saying it's okay we've got this you know mm. don't you don't have to worry quite so much and that sort of in a way that you can't even put your finger on particularly feels better you just feel better in the world and and I think that's a really important thing because so many people 
miss out on strength training. I think everyone Mm -hmm. has the idea that they should be a bit more cardiovascular fit and that we should be, no, I should be more flexible. I should be more this, but strength gets left behind a little bit. And it's such an important thing, especially for kids, you know, and they, you know, there's been studies looking at strength in children sort of from 10 years ago to, to now, and that strength has really dropped off. So trying to get that back for your children and young people is really really important especially when we've got this how did lisa feldman barrett put it the the, the ca- of, casual brutality. casual brutality i mean that's even yeah. more true as a teenager right i mean yeah. it's, oh yes yeah. hugely brutal um so we've got they've got all those stresses and if they haven't got the tools to to deal with them then you know strength can be one way of of helping them feel better able to to cope well, I, I get the chills hearing you say this because, you know, as, as you talk through it, I think of the, uh, the many stories that we've been like really privileged to be part of over the years. Um, and, it, and it's, you know, wh- whether, whether the young people were understanding the mechanisms as you explain them or, or not, um, I can just tell you that, that it does work. And, um, you know, the amount of times that we've been approached um, very thankful that there's been some letters sent back to us. I'm very, I'm like touched and, and humbled and honored by some of the, the parent notes that have come back to us, parents in tears. But as you mentioned, you know, look, to be a teenage girl um, in modern society in high school can be really, really hard. Yeah. And, and I'm saying, well, who the heck am I to say that? I'm only saying what I've seen and heard. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that's absolutely true. I think it was hard to be, I mean, it's always been hard to be a teenage girl, but I think if I was a teenage girl now, it really is a a minefield. You've got all these extra pressures that weren't there before. This like breaks my heart to hear because right. Like there's so many angles to be judged now, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the, the number of total number of opportunities to be looked at and assessed and judged with the, you know, with the increase in, prevalence of social media, et cetera, et cetera. It, um, I can't, I mean, I can't imagine. I know what it was like to be a teenage boy and uh, I don't think we have it quite as hard, but it still wasn't easy. You know, yeah. um, that's just in the nature of adolescence is, but yeah. So all of that to say that, um, that what you're saying, I've seen it play out firsthand and, and it's the that's truth. Amazing. So that's really great to hear. And also for, for them to, to get the sense of doing something physical for how it makes you feel on the inside and how it improves your life rather than for how it makes you look on the outside on an Instagram post. And, you know, does it make your, your butt look like this and your abs look like this? And, you know, to, to get that, well, I'm strong and I can lift something that I couldn't a month or two months ago. That's a different thing to saying, look at my, you know, look at my body. Don't I look great in this post? Right. Um, all this, you know, it's slightly depressingly, these two things, I follow a lot of people on Instagram, I have to unfollow because I'm just like, I, actually, that's not <laughs> making me feel good about myself. It's not yeah. you know, because the way you look on the outside doesn't chime with the way I feel on the inside. But so doing it for how it makes you feel, I think, is 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 hugely important, hugely. especially now. Yeah, especially now. So I wonder, I wonder if maybe we can solve this problem, just the two of us right here, right now. <laughs> Let's uh, sort it out. <laughs> let's do because you know I always uh, when it comes to here's what I've recognized over the past handful of years at least um, w- when it comes to getting people into the weight room I think you're exactly right I think it has to, you you, ha- you want lift weights run train be healthy for how it makes you feel mm. you know for the empowerment you can get I- I'm on board with that fully the, the the truth of it though is that that's not often enough to get a you know, a 14 year old into the weight room. So we almost, yeah. you know, one, one thing that my staff and I try to do is, is imagine what matters to them. And we think back to what met, would have mattered to us. And, and sadly in this moment in time, if it's um, social media approval, um, we've sort of resigned to the idea that, uh, you know, people might be coming to us uh, because of vanity and, yeah. it's, and it's our job now to reframe the entire experience for them. So we have to be very thoughtful of the language we use. Um, we have to recognize, we have to like embed these lessons that, uh, you know, with the recognition that it's not happening automatically. Um, so, yeah. yeah. So that's, I mean, I guess that, it doesn't matter what us. brings people in. 
you know yeah. any anything works to bring them in i mean i have it with my with my own son he's a very slim slight build and it's all about the six pack and yeah. you know am i too skinny am i this and he starts lifting weights and stuff like that and i'm like and i've been trying to drum it into his head you know lift weights that's great yeah but don't do it because you think it's going to make you you're still going to be that build do it right. because it makes you feel good but i mean i think it completely goes over his right. head, especially because it's his mother saying it and everyone knows Mums don't know anything. So even though you <laughs> literally wrote the book on it. I know, right? <laughs> uh, my next project this year is to write a children's encyclopedia. Um, and part of the reason for me wanting to do it is so that when he tells me I don't know anything, I can say, by the way, I literally wrote an encyclopedia. So that's I know right. <laughs> Just I like that. Yeah, to build a career around uh proving something to your son i think that's yes the way to do exactly it. <laughs> one day he'll be impressed but one day that's right <laughs> i think that's well i think that's really good and that aligns with um you know more and more the good athlete project is leaning into education and it's pretty you know we have these partner organizations where we have events and, and try to showcase sports done well like the powerlifting we run youth speed and um training event etc whatever but we are we're digging heavily into the education side now and we're we're, we're streamlining our process and you, you just bring up something so important and i and i can't help but want to investigate this off the podcast if that's okay with you at some point but um identifying with what motivates a young person is essential and then getting really thoughtful about how to embed these lessons. That might be the key. So to get really practical with a, with an abstract idea, what are some things that you might use um, in terms of language in an athletics setting to remind people of the value of movement? Is that too difficult a question? It sort of is in a way, because my um, my way of coming at this is like, well, I'm going to look at the science and see, um, sorry, I've got sun right in my eyes here. Um, you know, I look at the science and say, well, this explains some of the things that we're seeing, you know, in psychology and brain science and things like that. I think where, where I struggle is, is say in a school setting, because when I, when I finished writing the book, I was like, I need to get this out there. I need to get some programs into schools, um, you know, get, make something happen practically. But the yeah. fact of the matter is I'm not a teacher. I don't know what works with kids. Um, I'm not a child psychologist. So I kind of, I want to make those partnerships with, with people like you, I guess, to try and work out how to turn that into something practical. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I wish I knew, I don't, I don't want to be, so way back before the book was published in the UK, I was asked to do a, a school's seminar for kids and for their teachers where I would talk about the science and then give them some things to go off and do and then they would come back and I say well you should have noticed this and I and I turned it down because I thought well actually who who am I to be telling those teachers what is going to work for their kids and if I'm going to do that I'm going to work with an educator who knows what they're talking about otherwise I'm just some expert that comes along um, right. and spouts stuff. So yeah, I wish I had the answer because uh, I think it's it, that's the difficulty is it's getting it across in a way that's, that's right. not preachy um, and that people can right. resonate with. That's right. Well, yeah, it seems like, you know, the way that we, we try to approach pro problems is through three lenses, understanding, motivation, access. And I, maybe what I'm hearing is that your role in this, this great conversation is the understanding piece. Mm -hmm. Like as the scientists in the room, you're saying, here's, here's what's happening. Here's what we're seeing. Maybe even you go as far as to say, like, here's what we, you know, this might be a safe bet. Like you should be able to assume blank if blank, you know, yeah, as a hypothetical, but that's in the understanding piece. And then maybe this is, a, maybe this is a sort of call to arms to all the coaches and physical educators and people in that space to, to chime in and, and try things and, and share what works. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's not always easy as well, because, you know, you may not have the facilities to bring in parkour or circus skills or yeah. you know change things up you've got what you've got but I mean I've seen some really great stuff done with little kids um teaching them you know using um animal metaphors getting them crawling around like a bear yeah, and now stand right. up like a heron and all this kind of stuff and and yet there's some really great stuff happening that's with younger children mm -hmm. I guess with older children it will have to be a different approach obviously they're not going to be yeah. interested in that but but yeah, there must be a way to get through at a, a level that that chimes with them. I think that's right. And, and, and 
I think maybe the best strategy is just to ask them, you yeah. know, that's at least our approach. Hey, what do you, what are you into? Like, what do you like? Yeah. What do you want? So, yeah. you, you know, to not to, I don't mean to talk about our methods so much, but it's just clear that our, our worlds align in this way. Um, you know, we often invite people into a space because they want to become better at football or soccer or basketball or whatever. And then again, we decide that it's our job to, to create something meaningful in the space. We talked about some of the psychological components, the empowerment that can come through it. But to your point, we also talk about uh, healthy movement, knowing that people aren't going to be able to put a 400 pound back squat, it, it, you know, include that as part of their routine for the rest of their lives. Um, how do you move well? What are the key components to this? How do yeah. the, you know, how do the limbs fit together? Body positions, you know, what's the difference between sprinting and running two miles? You know, what's the outcome of these things or expected outcomes? So that's sort of education. Yeah. And, and yeah, yeah, capturing something they're into. So my son has never been particularly, um, <clears throat> he's, he, he's a bit like me in terms of um, team sports. He hasn't really got the attention span. He just sort of like stands there looking around and wondering why nothing's happened. He got, mm. He's got into volleyball through watching an anime series. Um, wow. and, it, and it looked really exciting. And he's like, mom, I want to try volleyball. And I said, okay, yeah. fine. We found a club. And I thought, well, it's not good. It's never going to be as exciting as they make it look in this, you know, of course. very colorful anime series. But, you know, two years on, he's still doing it, absolutely loves it. And he'll be sort of standing in the house, jumping up and trying to touch the ceiling. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, he, he's constantly practicing his moves. And because he's got something that works for him, it's all very fast moving. So he doesn't yeah. ever get bored. Um, he's got, and it, it's this lovely community that, you know, they all talk to each other outside and they did a, their first um, competitions recently and they were looking after each other. And, and it's just lovely to see. And that's come entirely from him. Hmm. Um, so it's kind of when <laughs> if you build it, they will come sort of situation. Like hmm. if there's something that that kind of really gets them going, then then everything else happens. It's just the, the, diff, the, the first bit is the challenge, getting over that barrier. Absolutely. And have you, in what ways have you encouraged him toward this? Like, cause I, who would have thought that anime would be the, yeah. <laughs> the link to I mean, that? I just went, I mean, my, my strategy really with him is that if he shows interest in something, then, you know, why not give it a go? If it goes falls by the wayside, then we'll, we'll skip it and do something else. And this is the first sort of sport that he has picked for himself and just gone with. So, I mean, my role mostly is just driving him around the countryside to, to various <laughs> training sessions two or three times a week. Um, and, and also we bought a net, put it up in the garden and I have to spend, spend a lot of time setting spikes for him and that sort of thing. I love that. So, yeah, I mean, he, he's taken it and completely, completely run with it. So it's great to see when it, when, when something clicks, it's, it's wonderful. And so do you, would you say that you have an active household in general? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. We're very, um, you know, we go for walks and bike rides. Um, we're none of us, none of the three of us are any good at sitting still. Mm. My husband's probably the worst. I'm second worst. Um, actually, no, maybe my son. Well, none of us can sit still. So um, we all need to go and do something. So just before I spoke to you, I was um, dragged outside and he was jumping on the trampoline and I was throwing him balls to, to slam dunk into the hoop. So we, we are very much... Um, a fidgety family yeah it has to be said a fidgety okay. family like <laughs> yeah. and you know my husband loves rock climbing and mountaineering and um we have paddle boards so yeah we, we definitely if we have spare time we'll fill it with something active that well i, I hope people hear that message too right the take one of the one of the takeaways i think for um promoting movement and wellness through a lifetime is creating a culture of movement and wellness a, a, a fidgety yeah. family is one way to yeah. label yeah. it but that's yeah, I like that a lot. Very supported. Um, okay, well, I have I have one final question for you, and that is, um, and really, it's a message to our um, our female powerlifters about to embark on this upcoming powerlifting season. Um, do you have any sort of message from them through the movement realm, through you know your experience and your research? Well, I mean. I'm all about the empowerment of young girls and women. And, it, and if, what we know about the effects of lifting weights on the just the internal sense of power and that you can handle stuff and you've got this. Um, so they're absolutely doing the right thing. You go, girls. I'm, I'm so impressed. <laughs> I love it. That's exactly right. You go, girls. It sounds worse when I say it. If I can, you yeah. go, girls. <laughs> 
but I think the message, the message is spot on. So I, um, yeah, for anyone listening, I hope the timing and this works right. We are, we're about to embark on, uh, like I said earlier in the podcast, our, uh, the 2022 Illinois High School Powerlifting Association season. So we have six regional events, a state championship that's invite only. And as uh, as we talk about all the time and has been reiterated and confirmed today, um, you know, there's a lot more going on uh, than just lifting weights. So absolutely. Yeah. Do it for the power on the inside. And uh, the muscles are great. They look amazing. <laughs> but the power on the inside is far more important. And, and that will stay with you for your life, you know, when you're when you're an older lady um, and you, your muscles aren't looking so great anymore. But the empowerment will stay with you. So, yeah, I love that. Well, isn't that right? It, you know, your bench press at some point, a bench press or a, or a deadlift is like, who cares? Yeah. But, <laughs> but if you can empower someone from a life, man, I yeah. mean, everyone, everyone benefits from that. I mean, and actually, it's, n- it's never too late. I'm, I'm making uh, excuses. There's a woman um, on Instagram I follow, follow, and it's her account is called Train with Joan. And she's a woman who um, was obese. She was had diabetes. She was not a well person at all. She's now 75. She completely turned her life around. She, she lifts weights. Um, she looks incredible. She um, is incredibly healthy. Look her up ladies because she's something honestly if ever you think it's too late um joan joan is great great value train and, with um, joan yeah yeah train with joan she's a wonderful lady definitely look that up i i think yeah well yeah if anyone's listening i, I i'm gonna look her up myself um and it, it, you're right it's never too late it's okay. never too late and that on its own is so empowering i i think about you know I'm, and i'm pretty open or i tried to be but you know i say i see my dad, who used to be a college football player, uh, you know, sort of moving slower and slower. And um, yeah, I think, you know, this is coming from a very personal space, but I, I just hope that no one, you know, you don't lose hope. You see, you know, that, you, that it's never too late to start um, a routine of movement and health and wellness and discipline. And all of that to say, if we can start it younger, where it's just mm-hmm. part of your life and you don't have to learn it at 75 yeah yeah then the decline is less i mean there's there's always there is some you know there are some horrible things that happen with age you know my own mother has she used to be used to be a fitness instructor and sports master and things like that and she she has a, a brain issue that means that she know she has balance issues and mobility oh. issues and things like that so things come along that you can't sure. necessarily always plan for but you know even within the confines of that mm-hmm. she still finds a way to be active because she knows from you know her previous experience how it makes her feel she put me to shame when we went buying weights and I was picking up two and a half kilo weights and she was like seriously five you know 75 year old woman like strapping these yeah. big weights on going yeah that's easy that's fine um so yeah it sort of it has to change a bit as you get older but sure. yeah the, the earlier you start the, the the better yeah right right it's a, it's like it's like a, a, adapting a language you already know instead of learning a new language yes absolutely yeah, yeah. that's yeah. A, that makes complete sense um, all right. Well, you know, I think we're, we're kind of at time, but every, you know, so we've had two conversations and, and each time for whatever reason, I feel like there's so much more that we could dig into. Um, are, are, is there anything that we missed from this? When we hit our two big ones, which I thought were, uh, in- incorporating movement in your life, uh, you know, sort of holistically and this concept of empowerment through strength. Um, are there any other essential lessons from the book? that you think people need to be aware of? Hmm. I mean, I think the power of moving with each other is, is important as well. Um, so that synchronized movement, whether that's dance, whether it's aerobics, yoga, whatever it is, that's a way of connecting with, with other people. So, and I think that's something that our society really could do with a lot more of. Um, so yeah, that's one definite thing that I have um, put into my life um, that maybe your guys haven't really thought of or isn't really part of the training that you do. But but yeah, fun movement that just makes you feel good. I mean, there's there's all kinds of, I mean, I could go on for hours about dance, but that, you know, one of the things about it is that the balance organs in our ears are wired into the pleasure um, areas of the brain. And so there's a bit like the way a joke makes us laugh because it catches us off guard and violates our expectations 
there's a similar sort of thing like that with movement. So when we're moving and we have to right ourselves because we think we're going to fall over, that gives us sort of this pleasurable feeling of, oh, I didn't, I didn't break mm. my teeth. And um, so, yeah, putting yourself off balance, um, moving with other people, jumping around um, is something I think that we possibly stop doing when we get to, you know, sensible age. Mm. And, and I think that's, that's one thing I think everyone could, could build more into their lives. I don't know. Are you a dancer? I mean, you're looking at suspicious. No, I'm looking, I'm, I'm projecting forward because I'm going, <laughs> to, I'm going to a wedding in March and I'm like, that's, oh, wow. that's probably the only time that I, that I do that really these yeah, days. Yeah. Yeah. Well, exactly. And you know, um, and it makes you feel great when you do it. Right. So, exactly. well, depending if anyone's looking, I, I tend to do most of my dancing in the kitchen with the doors closed. No one's there. And, um, so yeah. then it can feel good and you don't have to worry about what it looks like or how I that's right seeing you. yeah well okay so I'm going to make a commitment to myself based on your advice and I'm going to dance at this wedding as though I were solo like alone yes. and not think about anyone's if anyone's watching me so I'll get I'll get both benefits I won't feel judged and I'll be able to move in the group and uh exactly. hope good music and in fact yes. I'm, I'm uh it's it's actually it's in Ireland so oh uh, wow not too far from you fantastic yeah. well there'll be a big party then uh, there's no doubt you may not be able to stand by the time it's time to dance <laughs> it is uh it's a, yeah it's uh, that's a possibility it's a, it is a wonderful crowd though um thank you again for this well, thank um, you i uh i wonder if you if you're willing to hold back uh for two minutes after we hit stop i have a couple other questions for you but absolutely um i i really think you know, anyone who's not uh, tuned into your work needs to be, if they're, you know, part of our audience, I think they need to look into it. So could you tell those folks where to go to find more about you and about the book? Okay, well, they could um, start with my website, which is carolinewilliams.net. Um, and I think there are links on there to where you can find the book, but the book you can find anywhere books are sold. So the US title is Move uh, how the new science of body movement can set your mind free. It's got a mm. bright orange cover. Um, and if they wanted to look me up on Instagram, I'm Caroline Williams underscore science and on Twitter at science Caroline. So one or all of those will find me. So. I love it. And we will definitely include those in the show notes for this podcast. So once again, thank you. Uh, if you're listening, make sure that you check her out and reach out to us. If you've got any questions, we can certainly uh, point you all in the right direction. So once again, uh, thanks for bringing this to the world. You're amazing. Thank you very much. <laughs> Do you need business cards? Do you need flyers, posters, custom thank you notes, or any sort of stationery to take your business to the next level? If so, then you've got to see the good people at Mighty Printing. They've got two locations. One of them is up north in Glencoe, Illinois. The other is right in the heart of Chicago on 180 West Washington Street. They do most of the printing for the Good Athlete Project, and we just could not do our business without them. They've also worked with teams like the Chicago Bulls and the Chicago Blackhawks. They've worked with Let Us Entertain You Restaurant Group. They do holiday cards. They do wedding cards. They help you. They help you not only celebrate special occasions, but make them that much more special. And like I said, if you are a small business owner or a large business owner, they will give you the sort of personalized service combined with incredibly high quality goods. You just can't find that combo, honestly, anywhere else. Find them online at mightyprint.com. That's M-I-T-E print, P-R-I-N-T dot com. And on Instagram, same thing, at mightyprint, M-I-T-E print. And tell them the Good Athlete Project sent you.